0: If you're a first or second time guest with us today or you're watching online, we're really glad that you're here with us and watching because we're still in a new year's series. Nobody knew that until just now. Every week I think I'm done and I think he gave me two more weeks. Uh, So I'm just trying to be obedient to him each week, uh, deliver the message that I believe it started out with just a new year's message and now we're in part six. So just was not planned by me, but definitely by him. Uh, If you've missed any of the other messages, uh, you can find them on our Facebook page or our YouTube page, or our website, DuboisFMC.org. Um, the last time I spoke, we discussed how to finish well. And we answered that with Jesus' own words when he gave the answer to the question, what is the most important commandment? And he replied in Matthew chapter 22, you must love the Lord your God with... This is the first and greatest commandment. Then he said, a a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And in today's society, that's pretty big because we love ourselves way too much. So why don't we flip that onto our neighbor? Because on your judgment day, that is what you will be judged on. How well did you love and serve and obey God? And how well did you love and serve your neighbor? We read in Luke chapter 12, where Jesus tells us who he will be looking for when he returns. Folks, it is servants. People serving God, serving others, and serving his bride, the church. He, it says in verse 38, he will reward the servants who are ready. That is why we, we have sign-up sheets in the foyer right now, to give you an opportunity to serve the church that you tell everybody in Dubois that you love. Do you realize love is action? It's not lip service. Of course you serve your neighbor outside of the church, but you also serve your neighbor inside the church. Your neighbor is anybody that's in, in, anybody in front or in back of you right now is your neighbor. You two are neighbors. Are, are you helping us create an atmosphere of love every Sunday? In other words, what are you doing to help us pull Sunday off? And youth group and 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 not just Sunday morning but he's coming perhaps soon we don't know will he find you serving the bride that he's coming for what are you doing to prepare his bride the church for the wedding banquet for today I'm going to completely shift gears that was a review I want to just start out by saying, I think we have to look for God more often in our lives. We know how to pray, but do we know how to look for Him after we pray? Some of you will think this is silly. A lot of you will think this is just a coincidence. Some of you will believe it was God. But when you talk to God as much as I do throughout the day, you learn to discern. Ooh, there's a sermon. Learn to discern. Uh, You learn to discern what might be a coincidence and what might be the Lord or what is the Lord's prompting. And listen, even if I get it wrong, I'm still preaching the word of God and you can't go wrong with that as long as you don't twist it, right? What in the world am I talking about? Well, two amazing things to me that were amazing things happened to me since I preached two weeks ago. You may say coincidence, I say crazy amazing because I happen to believe that not only that God loves to chat with us throughout our day, but also that God loves to reveal his will to us throughout the day and week and year. Amen? If we are asking and then listening, we will hear his voice and we will know what his will is. Well, if you've ever wondered how a pastor comes up with a sermon every week, I'm going to let you know on how it works sometimes. Two weeks ago on Tuesday night, I was sitting on the couch and I was asking God, I just got home from work and, and I was just sitting there uh, literally in the dark, hadn't turn the lights on. And I just said, where do I go next in my preaching? I have plans. Like, you know, I have a peace series. Uh, I have plans, but I'm asking him, is it ready to launch that? Are you ready for me to launch that? You, know, you can have a preaching calendar, but I, I want to obey the spirit more than the calendar. Where do I go next in my preaching? Do I start the peace series now, or do you have more to say about what our focus should be this year? And then I knew with confidence, even though he didn't say anything, I knew he would show me because he's been doing it all throughout this series, and he's been doing it my whole life. I'm just not always listening and in tune. Sometimes, like this week, he waits until the last minute to show me. But that night, 25 minutes, I remember looking at the clock, I remember exactly how long it took, 25 minutes after I prayed, remember what I said, where do I go next in my preaching? Angel walks in with Dorothy with the mail in her hand, and she literally walks right over to me on the couch, like almost excited, throws down a piece of junk mail, which I thought was junk mail, and literally says, this should be your next series, Wow, I mean, coincidence or God? God. Folks, Christianity and following Jesus is not supposed to be difficult. He is listening and he wants to answer you. Then I had to look at it and read it and I had to order it uh, to start studying it before I started. So I'm like, well, okay, now I know what my marching orders are, but the book's not even gonna be in for two weeks. The material's not even gonna be in. I can't even start looking it over. I can start a little bit. Uh, so I started asking God over and over every day, what do you want me to preach on while I wait? It's easy when you know what's coming, but now there's like this gap of now until it happens. You know, I got nothing. I got silence for a whole week every day. I kept asking. And then this last Wednesday comes, the day I usually start writing my sermon, and I still have nothing. Before heading to my office, I approached the bathroom mirror to brush my teeth, and I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not over. I'm not over-spiritualizing that you may think, but I'm literally walking to the mirror and I'm still asking him with a little more tension in my prayer. I'm like, you do know I start writing my sermon today, don't you? <laughs> but I still trusted that if I had to go to my office and just open the word of God, he's going to show me. I still trusted that, but I kind of wanted to know before I came to the, to the office So I open up the mirror just like I do every other morning. And for some odd reason, listen, for some odd reason, I'm I'm just not even going to try to pretend. My shaving cream can sticks out to me. Like it's almost like it's flashing. And I see the word edge on the side of it. Doesn't seem to be a big deal, except this time it's the only thing I can notice. And I froze and I couldn't move. My eyes I couldn't get my eyes off the can. And I'm like, what is this? I just want to shave and get to work, you know. And I hear this still small voice. I want you to encourage my children to live on the edge for me. Because I am going to need more risk takers right now. I'm like, what? From a can of shaving cream? I, I, you know, because I made a flash. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this just me because I'm desperate for a sermon topic right now? You know what I got? Complete silence, which I've learned. Good lesson here, separate sermon. When you get complete silence from God, that means he's just waiting for you to obey what he said. Some of you are asking something from God, but you are experiencing the silence of God. Want to know why? Because you haven't obeyed the first thing he told you to do. Another sermon for another time. So I took a risk for God, because that's what we're going to be talking about, being risk takers. I took a risk for God this morning by sharing how I came up with my sermon for the week. From a can of shaving cream, that is risky. We'll see how many people leave the church because I over-spiritualized. Edge, sensitive skin shave gel for men, right? We'll see. I'm not, I would apologize to the guests, but you know what? This is just who we are, so get used to, you better get. If this is going to be your tribe, get used to it. But here's my point. What risk have you taken lately for God? If, if you have to close your eyes, close your eyes. Stop looking at me because you're making me a little when We are feeling weirded. What risk? I'm just repeating the words he told me. What risk have you taken from God lately? or maybe you need to ask yourself this in your, and I put it in your notes because I thought it was pretty profound. What risk did God already ask you to do, but? But, which is all I have to say, because but takes us out of God's will for our lives more than anything else. What do you mean end this relationship? But he loves me. But I don't have time, but I don't have the money, but I don't have the talent, but I'll lose my friends or my girlfriend or my boyfriend, but that'll be hard, God, but that'll be uncomfortable, God, that will be scary. What risk did God ask me to take, but I completely ignored it, which is disobedience, by the way? What risk did God ask me to take, but I allowed fear to grip me? which is the opposite, by the way, and we just spent a whole year talking about this, is the opposite of living in faith. Here's a big one that I'm noticing a lot lately. But you overthought it. Maybe you tend to overthink everything instead of just obeying. Especially when you know it's God. Listen, we don't want to just react to something either, okay? But in your notes, one of the traps of our enemy is to overthink it to the point, and we all know this, I know you're human, so you don't even have to say, well, that's not me. I don't care how mature you are in the faith. We overthink things to the point where we come up with all kinds of excuses of why we shouldn't do it. We felt the nudge, we knew the Holy Spirit was speaking, and we overthought it. And we ended up coming with all kinds, coming up with all kinds of excuses of why we shouldn't do it. Am I, is it just me, or am I the only one that's still on journey with God? And am I the only one that does this? Okay, thank you. It's just one of the traps. Rule of thumb. If you are not sure if it is God that is speaking to you, involve other godly people that you respect to pray with you. And then... Wait patiently for the answer. Don't just react. Right? Now hear me on this. Anyone who is part of a church community or tribe who's making a major life decision, listen, without the counsel of their family, is probably, not always, someone who is looking to jump into something quickly. Usually reacting from the flesh not responding from the Spirit. Let me repeat that. Someone who doesn't go to the pe- their family, their spiritual family, when making a major life decision, is usually someone who is looking. They want to jump into something quickly. Listen, not that God can't speak to you alone. He can. But the Word of God is clear. Let me show you a couple points about this. This really isn't what the sermon is, but it's good. Plans go wrong for what? <laughs> Plans go wrong for a lack of advice, which means a lack of counsel. Many advisors in your life will bring you success. Proverbs 15, 22. And then there's Proverbs 11. Without, this is for nations, without wise leadership. So it even includes nations. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. And this is how you can also tell someone wants to jump into something quickly people will come up to you and say, have you had anybody pray with you about this? Have you gone to your spiritual father and mother? Have you gone to your spiritual mentors? And what do they say? I already know what God told me. I don't need any more counsel. And that's usually a sign, ooh, that's an attitude. I don't even care if I'm sure that I'm sure that I'm sure I go to the pastor's cabinet and say this is what I'm feeling this is what I think I'm hearing from God what do you what 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 do you feel what are you sensing about this there is safety in numbers there is safety in the council there's wisdom in the council of many I think is another passage. Jump to the New Testament in Romans 8, 25, New Living Translation, I love this. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, right, that's one of our problems. We want, we want, we want. And if we don't have it, we just go get it. We don't even advise God about it most of the time, let alone each other. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must what? (laughs) We hate waiting. In our culture, we want things instantly. We must wait patiently and right up to the day you're writing your sermon, have confidence he's going to give you something if it's not about you and you don't force it. Why do I think that people react and leap into things without waiting? It's really simple. Because they're afraid if they inquire of the Lord, he might just say, you got it. By the way, if that is your fear, then the thing that you think you want or need is probably and most likely not God's will for your life. If you are afraid to inquire of the Lord or your godly advisors. Reacting from your flesh, something that you desire for yourself is not the risk-taking that I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about what has God asked you to do for his kingdom or his bride or your neighbor. That's what I'm talking about. Not something that you want. Now, I really want you to lean into this next statement in your notes. Because usually, not always, you'll know it's God when the thing that he is asking you to do is bigger than you. You'll know it's God when the the thing that he's asked you to do is bigger than you. When it seems, because that's the trap of the enemy, when it seems hard, when it seems uncomfortable, when it seems even impossible... Or way beyond your skill set. Listen, what does Jeff Foxworthy say? Here's your sign. If you don't feel talented enough. If you don't feel smart enough. If you don't feel capable enough. If you don't feel spiritual enough. Then it's probably God telling you to do it. I know, I know. This sounds like such a common Sunday morning message. But you see, that is another one of Satan's traps. To make the word of God seem common and ordinary, and mundane, and boring. Do you know what the opposite of common is? I looked it up, it's pretty awesome. Because this is is the way we're supposed to live, by the way. Not as common Christians, but unusual, rare, surprising, extraordinary, exceptional, mind-blowing, mind-boggling, noteworthy, I love that word, and my favorite word, marked. Not because of my name, I didn't mean that as a joke, I mean seriously marked for Christ. Can you imagine being marked by Christ at your workplace? Do you know what that means? Everybody knows who to go to when they have a problem because Tina has some answers. I've listened to her talk to other people. She's marked at her workplace for Christ. It's like wearing a badge. I'm a Jesus freak. You, you are. Marked means clearly evident. Let's close our eyes. And I just want you to ask the Lord right now. You don't have to have the answer. I just want you to ask, Father, am I marked for you? When people see me, do they see you? When people hear my words, do they hear your words? When people watch my actions, do they see your actions in me? That's what it means to be marked. That it's clearly evident who you are following. It is clearly evident who your rabbi is. Open your eyes. I'm just asking you to ask, okay? I'm not trying to bring guilt or shame. Listen, God didn't leverage a can of shaving cream to give you an ordinary mundane common message today because he is not a common, ordinary, mundane kind of God. He is the God of the impossible, the God of miracles and signs and wonders, and guess what? He's the God of revival. And if you get caught up in the news, you're gonna think he's blowing it. So pay attention to what's going on around the world also, because as evil rises, God will overcome it. He will rise above it. Is there evil in our land? You better believe it, and I think it's gonna get worse. But also, God's going to have an answer for it. And guess what? That's if the church is ready. Because it's going to come through us, the vessels. The little Jesuses that are running around right now getting everybody saved. He's the God of revival. So hear me, sleepy Christian. Do you know how I know that most of us have become religious in our spirits? Because we know all of the attributes of God... We say and sing these things about God, but when revival actually breaks out, we act surprised and then we get skeptical. When revival should be the norm. The Christian skeptics are questioning it, what's happening in Asbury right now. They're questioning it. And they're doubting whether this revival is real or not. Well, they're actually just doubting whether it's real. Even on the ground eyewitnesses, just like this, a book of eyewitnesses who were there on the scene and saw and walked with Jesus, and yet were are skeptical of this. Now we have eyewitnesses on the ground that are telling us this is real, this is palpable, this is simply the love of God pouring out on us. Right. But because Google is questioning it, now our modern day Pharisees and Sadducees are doubting it. How many of you, by the way, how many of you actually listened to the sermon that launched the revival in Asbury? How many of you listened to it? Wow, you you really need to go listen to it, you know why? It was as ordinary and common of a love sermon that I have ever heard. There was nothing special about it, except the message, right? He even used the word hiney a couple times. I mean, he, he, he sounded like Alan preaching, really. I was waiting for him to say poop. I was just really, I was was just waiting for him. I was going to call Alan right away. It was as ordinary and common of a love sermon that you will ever hear. But listen, God chose to fall on that place and do something, go back. Yes, noteworthy. Why? To mark people for the rest of their lives. Why? Why? to create more risk-takers. What are risk-takers? People who will actually open their mouth and spread his word to their co-workers, to their family, to their friends. And my guess is he's doing it because the time may be short. And guess what? We are going to start seeing more of the unusual. I, I actually feel like the hand of God is is starting to lift and we're going to start seeing more of the unusual. We're going to start seeing more miracles. We're going to start seeing more supernatural things because actually God's been waiting for years because it should be the norm. Well, guess what? And you know, it's because the supernatural is now going to be the norm. God is asking us, yes, through a can of shaving cream, believe it or not, to be willing to do the unusual. To do rare and surprising things for him. And to move an extraordinary, exceptional, mind-blowing, mind-boggling miracles and signs and wonders. So that we will live on the edge with him. With him, not alone. With him. And to be risk-takers for him. That's the only reason why he would bring revival. Is to invade the earth with the gospel. Because not only is this world dying and going to hell if we don't throw them a lifeline, Christians now are falling away from the faith faster than we can count them. And I don't remember what John Bevere said because that's the series we're going into next. I think he said a thousand young people are leaving the faith every single day. I, I think it might have been more than that. but And we're seeing it, but we're just like putting our heads in the sand and we're denying it. And we're just still living any old way we want, wondering why they're falling apart. And it's because they don't have anybody to disciple them, to show them the way. We're waiting for God to wake them up when he's called us to wake them up. We have the words. We have the message. We have the truth. And I just have a message for you today. This is the message in a nutshell. God wants to use ordinary and common people like you and me to do mind-blowing things for him, right? So you can choose to be a skeptic or you can choose to be a believer. You can choose to receive false and misguided info from Google or you can receive the truth from the word. You can choose to be deceived by Satan or be be discipled by Jesus. That's your choice. With that said, now now let me apply our question or statement of the day. What has God asked you to do for his kingdom or his church or your neighbor? Or a shorter, shorter version that I've revived from earlier What risk are you willing to take for God? That for you may seem hard, uncomfortable, or scary, or even downright impossible. But you are willing, may not be capable, but you are willing to say yes to whatever he asks of you for his glory and for the sake of the kingdom. That's the question of the day. In the book of Zechariah chapter 4, there's a great passage for anyone willing to be a risk taker for God. It is a very common passage to most of us, perhaps brand new to some, and it goes along with our theme today. I'm going to read it from an uncommon version of the Bible. It's called the easy to read version. Have you ever heard of it? The ERV, the easy to read version. But most of you have never heard of that version before. The common version says this, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Here's the easy-to-read version. Your help will not come from your own strength and power. No, 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 no. Your help will come from my spirit. Listen, you may not have known this when you began your relationship with Jesus, but you entered into a covenant relationship with him which requires you to have the faith to do things that are bigger than you. And in case we blew it by not welcoming you into the family of God properly, we're going to do it right now. Welcome into the kingdom of God where the, impossible becomes the, where the impossible becomes possible. Where God leverages your weaknesses to become his strengths. Where incapable humans do extraordinary things for Christ. And you are called to live on the edge and commanded to be a risk taker for him. Aren't you glad you said yes? It's not boring. People are not joining Christianity because they think they'll, they'll have to give up everything that's fun. The bait of Satan. The baits of Satan. I mean, when you can get a sermon from a can of shaving cream, it's never boring. Never boring. It's amazing. You have been invited into a kingdom where revival is going to take place on earth as it is in heaven, listen, with or without you. Because God wants to combat the plans of the enemy. And you get to choose to be a skeptic and play a role of diminishing the works of God or to be a believer and join God in preparing his bride for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't need Google to tell me whether it's of God or not of God. Let me repeat that. I don't need Google to tell me whether what God is doing to Asbury is him or not. I have the spirit of God in me to help me discern. And if I miss it, which I do on occasion, I have surrounded myself with a multitude of advisors to help me to discern. I just think we should get off Google and get into the Bible. That's a statement for 2023. Get off of Google and get into the Bible. And I think we should just get our church prepared for the throngs of people that will be coming into the kingdom and are going to need discipled by you because I can't disciple all of them. The only reason why I'm starting a men's life group tonight is because nobody else is stepping up to start it. I can't do them all. And the men are crying for it. And we have nobody stepping up to lead it. So I'm going to do it and maybe I'll hand off the baton to somebody. How many of you saw the Jesus Revolution movie? Do you think the churches are ready for what happened in that movie? What happened back in 1970s, 1968, the the year I was born? What happens if our modern day hippies show up at church? This building's not gonna be big enough. The parking lot's already not big enough. I hope you're working with your pastor, by the way, to keep the back rows empty and to park up Chestnut. We have a whole road that you can park up across the church. It's starting to get warm out. Park up the road. Save the parking lot for people coming in late and our guests. This building's not big enough. We're going to have to start talking about buying tents. We're going to have to start talking about land. Because I think it's going to happen. I believe God's starting to show me that it's about to happen. Now, I think, we're, I think we're more prepared than most churches. But when you look at the church in that movie, they were not ready for hippies to invade their church. And yet, it, and They did. Thank God, thank God the pastor got rid of his religious spirit and welcomed them because revival broke out. Wow. Get off Google, get in your Bible. Name me one hero of the faith that wasn't a risk taker. In case you didn't pick up on it already, it takes faith to be a risk taker. And to become listed into the kingdom of God is one of the great examples of faith from Hebrews 11. I want you to look at this list again. I know a lot of you are familiar with it. Hebrews chapter 11. This is what will be said of you if you are a risk taker. I'm gonna read the first part and then you're gonna read the yellow part of the next screen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying, wow. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Ready? You're going to read the yellow part. It was that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. It was that even Sarah was able to have a child at 90 years old. Talk about a risk taker. What if I lose my life? Because this is dangerous to have a baby at 90. It was that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea. <laughs> don't, don't downplay that. That was not a common occurrence. Do you understand that God wants to split seas today? Maybe literally. I don't know. It was that Ray That the hippie of the day was not destroyed. That Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed. That the outcast of Dew Boys in the Tri County area was not destroyed that the church didn't tell Rahab when she walked into the church that she can't dress like that if she comes back next week. Right. That you have to cover up your tattoos because they're judging her based on her past. She's new and they're telling her, you gotta go back and you gotta fix, you gotta change who you are in order to be a part of us. So I'll tell you what the Lord convicted me about during worship, now I'm being really vulnerable. Because I didn't realize I was doing it. He said, and it's, it's, it's biblical, it's common scripture, but very, 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 very powerful. Common to us, but not common. Stop pointing out the sliver in your brother's eye. Start working on the plank that's in yours. The point of all of this in your notes is this. Faith always involves a risk. There is a level of risk in everything we do in life. Do you know driving a car is riskier and riskier every day because of people texting while they're driving and drinking while they're driving? This one's for my wife. Even eating rare meat. I mean, she, I'm, I, I'm not kidding. I thought the last one she ordered, it was literally still mooing. It was moving i stabbed it with my knife because it was jumping like it still had a heartbeat in it disgusting eating red meat is a risk you know what else is a risk being in a relationship being part of a church family is a risk but to live is to risk parents think about moses's mother for a moment jochebed leaning down at the bank of a river placing her three-month-old son in a basket, closing and sealing the lid, knowing that it'll probably be the last time she sees him. Wondering if he would be found by an Egyptian shoulder fl- soldier floating in the stream and killed or even eaten by a wild animal. But she was hoping, and she strategically placed him in a spot where she was hoping that Pharaoh's daughter would be the first one to find him. She didn't know that, though. And then have mercy on him. And I just want you to think about her. Listen, I want you to think about this. Her hands on the basket. Father, protect this child. May he grow up to be a risk taker for you. She pushes the basket down the river and she watches her little boy float away because she had no other choice because the government was gonna kill him. Can you imagine? And I just want you to think about this. There comes a moment when you have to take your hands off, and the rest is in God's hands. There comes a point where you have to take your hands off of something or someone, and the rest is in God's hands. That is a risk of faith. Here's what Reverend Clayton Bell said about this. The risk of faith is letting go to God without a guaranteed result. Relinquishing control, that's an issue of our day. Relinquishing control to God without strings attached. The risk of faith is putting your job or your child or your future or your problem completely into the hands of our heavenly father and what? Trusting him to work out his will in your life. The risk of faith does not guarantee you'll get what you want in the end. It does, however, guarantee peace and joy. That's our word for the year, peace. Peace and joy on the journey for you put God in the driver's seat and say not my will but thine be done learn from the writer of Proverbs trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways this is one of the things we're missing right now in our society acknowledge him you are worthy of it all see that's an acknowledgement song that we need to sing more often You are worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory and he will make your path straight. By the way, in your notes, sidebar side note, not all risks include doing something scary for the Lord. Some risks involve giving up something for the Lord, like comfort, your own desires, our time, possessions, control, inappropriate or bad or unequally yoked relationships. How about giving up complaining, worrying, giving up sin and addiction, giving up a desire or a love for food? I'm working on that. Food is my area of addiction right now. You need to know this, when it comes to our walk with God, faith always involves a risk. However, in your notes, risk for God always involves a reward. Risk for God, for God, not yourself, always involves a reward. Do you know there's a biblical principle, it's called no risk, no reward. Jesus spoke of it several times in his ministry in the parable of talents, it's very clear. But this probably being the most prominent statement of his ministry in Matthew 10, verse 39. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it later. Whoever loses their life now gives up things like Josh Woodard had to give up in order to come to the Lord. He'll tell you in his testimony if you were here for Good Friday, he was the life of the party wherever he went. And he gave it up for a reward that he 's going to get later that will not even compare to a temporary Friday night getting drunk and making everybody laugh Amen. man, I hope he lets me be a part of josh 's i just want to I just want to watch his judgment day i just want I just want to be there I, I want to see him hugging jesus I want to see Jen Marsickle hugging Jesus. I want to see. Dorothy hugging Jesus. I just want to witness it. Because they gave up so much to walk for the Lord. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It's a risk reward. Go with me to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. Page 57 in the black Bibles in front of you. No, I don't have them memorized. I looked it up. Exodus chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some Bibles under the chair. We're going to order more soon. And then listen to me, because we're not going to read it right now. One of the biggest issues that is keeping us from being supernatural risk-takers is the Moses complex. Most Most of us have partnered with the lie that we are lacking something, that would make us more qualified to be a good servant of God. Did you hear that? We, are, we believe, we've partnered with the lie that we are lacking something that would make us more qualified to be a servant of God. We believe that if God really wanted us to make a difference in the world, he would do something to improve us and he's not. Oh man, have you missed the point of who Jesus came for? who Jesus wants to equip for ministry, and who Jesus wants to release to change the world. Hello, look at the disciples. Duh. Please don't miss this in your notes. God doesn't always change our areas of incompetence. God doesn't always change our areas of incompetence. Quite the opposite. He not only wants to leverage them so that people who are receiving from you know that it can't be you, it has to be someone supernatural. Not only that, but God actually says in your notes, I mean, he says it in the word of God, all throughout the word of God, but in your notes, God says that he is responsible for your inadequacies. He takes responsible for, responsibility for them. Look at what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter four, if you don't believe me, when Moses starts to tell God about all the excuses of why he didn't sign up for a ministry after that sermon two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Moses starts to tell God about all his incompetence and his number one inadequacy, and then this is how God responds in Exodus four, verse 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, Why me? I'm not like Mark. I'm not like Angel. I'm not like Penny. I'm not like Mikey. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who? Who? Who makes a person's mouth? Who? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, said the Lord. I love the next two words. So go. (laughs) Go to work and talk about me. Do what I already told you to do. Obey the first thing I told you to do. Get out of that bad relationship. Go. Do it. I will be with you when they reject you because I actually have a godly person that I want you to marry. And I'm, I'm working on him right now. It might not be for five years, but I'm working on him because he needs work. You need work. It's going to happen right when I want it to happen. But because you're in a hurry and you need your needs met, you're forcing things instead of was- waiting patiently. Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Translation, Moses, I don't make mistakes. I made, and I'm pointing at you and me, I made you just the way you are. I don't have the wrong man, I don't have the wrong woman. I want you to start talking at work about me. And I will use you just the way you are. I will tell you what to say. So you see in your notes, God will use us if, God will use us if we don't hide behind our excuses. Think about all the inadequacies in the people that God used in the Bible. Almost every one of them had an issue that almighty God leveraged for good. Also in your notes, add this, a wise person knows that when you answer God's call, there will always be challenges to overcome. Always. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how many verses you can quote. In fact, the people that can quote scriptures, I'm convinced when it's really God, he's actually going to shut their mouth and have them actually listen instead of bragging about how much they can recite. Years ago, Dr. Robert Shuler wrote a book titled Tough Times Never Last." but tough people do. In the book, Schuler asks this question that I just want you to ponder. What would you attempt to do for God if you knew you could not fail? What would you attempt for God if you knew you could not fail? Just ponder that question for a moment. Perhaps there's someone here this morning and there is absolutely no doubt in your mind the Lord has called you to start something or to stop something There are times that God opens a door and says, this is the path I want you to take, follow me. More often than not, our first response is not excitement. Our first response is usually fear. What if I do give up alcohol? You you realize all the side effects I'm going to have for weeks and months? Fear. We don't believe God will be with us in, in in the... What do you call that one? Detox. What if, what if he does in you what he did in Jerry Gamble who was smoking marijuana until he was 14 years old, picks me up one day to go to the dirt track 17 years ago, and he says, Pastor, I just want you to know you don't know this. You're new here, but, but your messages have been inspiring me. Uh, and You don't know this, but I've been smoking marijuana for 14, since I was 14 years old. I'm 30-some years old now. And God told me to stop, and I stopped, and I haven't had one side effect. In your notes, there are several risk takers found in the Bible. Every one of them had three things in common. Three words that begin with the letter F. Number one, they all had fear. Most of the people in the Bible that God called and used were not highly confident. Number two, they had faith. The greatest steps of faith you'll ever take will involve some level of fear. We have to be overcomers of fear and replace it with peace and trust. And number three, they got favor. God blessed and rewarded their faith, and he accomplished his purposes through them. I love Alan's healing philosophy. You know, he'll, he'll always tell you about what he thought about me the first time he walked in here on a Wednesday night. But I was back there thinking the same things of him, just, just, look, just feeling him out. You know, and he's coming to talk about healing, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. I don't know what this is going to be about. What's his philosophy? Did, did he find a secret formula? Because everybody's always looking for a secret formula. Stop looking. And just lay hands on people and believe because it doesn't work sometimes it's their faith sometimes it's your faith sometimes it's just that God wants to bring somebody into the kingdom so just stop worrying about the formula and do it so here's Alan's philosophy if I get it wrong you can correct me afterwards not publicly because this is in my own words okay just give it a whirl just try it what's it gonna hurt the healing results are not up to you. You are called to heal, so go heal. And if only, and I think he said this literally, if only one out of ten are healed, praise God! Someone got healed! We're so afraid of failure. We're so afraid of how we're going to look. We're so afraid of misrepresenting God. Why don't we just have the faith and confidence to risk, take a risk, go, when it comes to healing, live by his philosophy, just do it. Well, that's Nike, but... Just give it a whirl. Right? When you all walk past the tables in the foyer with the sign up sheets on them twice now, maybe three times, what was your excuse for not serving the bride of Christ? Listen, we would all, we all would love to play it safe all of the time. But, honey, that is not what we are called to. We are not supposed to allow fear to immobilize us. So I just want you to be encouraged as we wrap this up by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work. Risk takers are enthusiastic. They don't care what anybody around them is thinking. They are on mission and they are going to take risks for God. They're going to tell you about Jesus whether you want to hear it or not. You understand you don't want to turn people off by that. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So back to Alan. Give it a whirl. You are called to serve. You are called to share the gospel message to the world. You are called to disciple people who get saved. And baptize them yourself. Stop waiting for the pastor. You baptize them in your house if you have to. Blow up your pool in the middle of your living room. Don't call me if you flood it. Baptize them. I'm not fixing it. That's on you. You want to baptize them in a a polluted river? Go ahead. I'm a chlorine guy. I'm telling you. I stopped doing rivers the day we were lifting a lady out and there was goose poop going right over her head and I had to swish it away just before she came up. I'm like, I'm done. There was a dead deer carcass in the water. There was broken bottles. I'm like, I'm done. I know this is probably the holy way to do it, but I'm a chlorine guy from now on. (laughs) Baptize them yourself. Use a bottle of water. You don't need a pool. Start that thing that God has called you to start. Stop that thing Stop waiting for God to do it. Stop that thing that God called you to stop. And then believe that he'll step in and help you with what you need. Some of you are waiting for him to do it when he's called you already to do it. And you're just using the excuse that it's God's job. And that's why you are not seeing breakthrough. Just do it. What risk are you willing to take for God that for you may seem hard, uncomfortable, scary, or impossible, but you are willing to say yes to whatever he may ask of you for his glory and for the sake of the kingdom? Let's stand. Now, I, I, I got to tell you, this is just part one of this message, because I really want to encourage you next week. This week was, are you willing to be a risk taker for God? And next week, I'm going to try to show you what you need to know to be a good risk taker. You need to know who you are in Christ and you don't wanna miss it because you need to be built up and encouraged with these words from the, from the word of God of who you are in Christ so you have more confidence when you go out. But don't wait till next week to be a risk taker. Just do it, amen? Alan, will you close us in prayer? Well, come grab a microphone, I want it on the recording. So thank you. I'm asking you because of that philosophy and, and I know this is in you. Um, and you've done a lot of study on revival and it's people that just did it. You know, they just spent time with God. They just did the basics of Christianity, but also they weren't afraid to go out. So just pray that over us.
1: Jesus, thank you that you call us. Thank you, Lord, that some people in here feel like Gideon hiding in the well, knowing there's a war going on all around them in the spirit and they're too scared to be a part of it. So they hide in that well. But Jesus, you show up and you say the one thing no human would say. You say, get out of there, mighty man or mighty woman. (laughs) Yes. You call them by their destiny, not by who they are now. Mm. And I know, Lord, there are people in this room right now that you have called to take great risks for your kingdom that would cause revivals to break out, that would cause Mm. healings to break forth, that would cause all kinds of wild manifestations to happen, Lord, Mm. Lord, I think of the book that I just finished reading about the Azusa Street Revival and how the the historian who was an eyewitness there, he said, at Azusa Street, we saw the glory of God manifested daily so thickly that children played hide and seek in it. Mm -hmm. And then he said, what will the next move of God be if this was so great? Mm -hmm. What will be the next outpouring? What will that look like? And so, Lord, I ask you, for the people here who are full of fear, or they say, I'm too shy or too timid, Lord, you say to them, Get up, mighty man, get up, mm-hmm. mighty woman. Yes. Take yes. those 300 and go f- take over the world. Oh, yes. Lord, and so we just bless each person in here today and we call them risk takers. Yes. yes. We call them mighty. Yes. And that yes. with that risk comes reward. And we send them out this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, with courage and excitement for what's coming. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Let me just repeat the words.
1: Now go! Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.